The following is a Bunkazilla original production. We are monsters of culture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bunker Mania, Bunkerzilla UK's official pro wrestling podcast. In a time when we returned to the land of extreme in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Well, we did via the network because, you know, money and travel, it costs a lot at this point in time. But we traveled to the land of extreme to embark on the premium live event that was the Extreme Rules. So today, you'll be joining myself, Jeremy Graves, and the man who we could say has got the whole world in his hands. It is the Decadane, Mr. Ian Bolton. Good sir, are you ready to travel to the land of extreme? Uh, let, me press the, let me press the button correctly, because I pressed it too much. I was like, I was there, I was gone. I had the whole world for a few moments and I went. You uh, literally had the whole world in your hands because you pushed the button. Yeah. If you're watching a yes. video version, you will have seen what occurred. <laughs> yes, I was here for a second. I was gone, and then we were going off again. There we are. It's all lovely. Uh, yes, I'm doing. I'm doing good. Thanks for thanks for asking. Um, yes, yes. A lot of things. I, it's like I don't, I don't know where we're going with this little bit because it's been a while since we've done an episode. I think the last time we did one was a post the the uh, the all out melee brawl out whatever some people was it really that long ago at this point blimey yeah it's it's been a while it's certainly been a while but for those of you who've been tuning into the episodes when we do release them we really appreciate it all going well he says knowing that we said this last time we may hopefully be able to do some episodes slightly more regularly all going well and should you want to subscribe on the platform where you may have discovered this show or various other platforms we're on all of them like apple spotify and whatnot Decadane San here has made sure you can find it anywhere possible. Or if we're not somewhere, do let us know. And what I will add to that is wherever you found this, why not tell a friend? We'd really appreciate it. We want more people to discover the show. And there is also a video version of the podcast, as I alluded to. If you go on YouTube and you search for the channel Bunkerzilla UK, you will find the archives of the video version of this here podcast. I said that I was clearly running out of breath then. But like I said, today we are delving back into the realm of the premium live event because we don't call them pay-per-views anymore. But Ian, I've decided we should just call them plea. Plea. Because some might say it's a plea for my time for the entire show to at least be good, which brings me on to my next point. You can tell I'm feeling very scattershot today, people. Peek behind the curtain. Been a bit of a weird couple of days in a, per- in a personal capacity, so my brain is all over the shop. So this is the direction we're and, going in for this show. And and he's just got back from an Arsenal game. Yes, that that aside, ironically, that's the best thing that's happened the past yeah, couple yeah, of days. Yeah, they won today. They won today, three two, I believe, wasn't it? Correct. Yes. And uh, w- welcome to welcome to, to football mania, Bunkazilla UK's <laughs> official. <laughs> I was about to say pro football podcast, but it's a really I weird mean, way to put it. I mean, I'd only be speaking about Red and FC, and you'd only be speaking about Arsenal, and I wouldn't be paying attention to the rest of the other leagues, whatever, whatever's going on in the world of football. This Thank is you like, for listening, everybody. Well? Hope you enjoy the show. <laughs> is my team doing well? But somehow third or fourth. Well, that's a miraculous thing from last season. Never mind. <laughs> so speaking about being third or fourth, I'm attempting to make this be a segue here. We'll see oh, how this goes. Oh, this this will be this will be this will be a challenge. If you had to sum up the plea, the premium live event that was Extreme Rules in three or four words maximum, what would you say? 
three or four words ma- uh, maximum. Yep. So four words maximum then, we'll say. Okay, four words, the Bray Wyatt show. But that's a little bit of a disservice because I think majority of the wrestling on the show was actually quite entertaining. Uh, some bits didn't necessarily land. We'll talk about it as we do a little bit, little play-by-play. Um, but there were some very good matches. There were some cracking matches on the card. Um, but yeah, it's all. It, I think the one thing a lot of people have taken away from this show, and in a nice positive way as well, is that Bray Wyatt is back in WWE. And it's like, it's still a bit weird saying that and kind of processing that after like a year, a year and a couple of months since he was released. It's like, this, it's like one of those things, oh, this won't happen again. It's like, oh, he's actually here. Let him in. And all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think, if anything, Extreme Rules is, for four words, the Bray Wyatt show. I think for me, I'm going to say the good was good. And, but I, I okay. mean, the good stuff on the show was actually very good and very worthwhile going out of your way to see. Mm-hmm. The stuff that I feel wasn't is pretty skippable, in my opinion. Okay, it'll be interesting to see where we we judge a couple. Where of we differ on, on that. I think I think we might be in sync with this this time round because mm. I think I think it's fairly clear where some of the card is. It's like there was promise. It's like it's like first things first. This is an extreme rules match, uh, extreme rules pay per view or play, where. Mm. <laughs> or is that player where every match had a stipulation there was no just standard rules which I which is I, I can't remember the last time an Extreme Rules event did that it's like there was always at least one normal sort of match even just sort of even if it was just a standard championship match or a tag team match or something like that but no every match had a stipulation there were not going to be any DQs anywhere around here or silly count outs it's like no no we're going to have winners this time which is really really good you're not wrong. I'm just trying to think, like, on previous one. In fact, you know what? Let's just derail this, right? Extreme Rules 2021. Can you recall off the top of your head what was on the 2021 card? Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns, which I think oh, was... Oh, that had an Rules. awful finish, didn't it? I seem to yeah, recall. Yeah, basically, Balor flopped like a fish with the uh, Finn Balor demon music, went onto the turnbuckle. Turnbuckle collapsed because of God. Uh, <laughs> and then um, Roman Reigns won. So uh, I can reliably tell you that last year's Extreme Rules event had exactly one match that did not had <laughs> what it was it was an Extreme Rules match that was it the rest of them were like <laughs> multiple people matches for titles and stuff or just a singles match because that was that was the first encounter uh, of Becky and Bianca I believe correct that ended in which no was, contest which was a really which was a really good match as well yeah so actually you know what so l- let's look this is. We're going to do this as an interesting case point here. So here was 2021's Extreme Rules, and then we'll dive into 2022, and we'll see how much WWE has progressed in a year. So uh, there's an interesting marker next to this first match. So I don't know, maybe this was a dark match or a pre-show match, perhaps. But Liv Morgan defeated Carmella in a that six-man tag like, match. That, sound, that sounds like a pre, pre-show match. Yeah. In a six-man tag match, the New Day defeated... Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, and Omos. This must have... That sounds like a kickoff match. If this was on the main card, I completely forgot it. And I, I mean, put it this way, it. that match went 18 minutes according to Wikipedia. Oh, that might have been on the main card then. 
for the SmackDown tag titles, the Usos defeated the Street Profits. Yep. Glad to see we moved on from that feud. Yep, yep. For the Raw Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair defeated Alexa Bliss. Yep. Well, that that was when Alexa. No, that was when she ripped up. Um, that's when she ripped up Lily, I think. Ah. But, yes, and it made no, 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 no difference because <laughs> Lily is because Lily still appeared now and then on current TV. In a triple threat match for the U.S. title, Damian Priest retained. Against, let's test your knowledge here, Seamus, and who was the other competitor? Matt Riddle? No. Ooh. Hmm. I'll give you a moment hmm. to think. Because I'll tell you something. Looking at No, so I'm just gonna say ah. the name and I wanna see your I wanna see and hear your reaction. Damien Priest defeated Seamus and Jeff Hardy. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jeff Hardy was in WWE this point last... Well, actually, when was this show? Hang on. I think this was, this was like his final... This was September event. last year. So this is his final event before the incident at the house show, which led to mm. him leaving. Then we had women's championship match. Becky Lynch v. Bianca Bella ended in a no contest after 17 and a half minutes. But Sasha Banks got involved and it became a triple threat at Crown Jewel. Quite possibly. I'm just only looking at the results, yeah. admittedly. Um, no, no, I, I tell a lie. Uh, Jeff Hardy's last uh, major pay-per-view with WWE was Survivor Series. Okay. Because it's like because he was like he was like the last person standing for like team I want to say Team SmackDown before he lost. That sounds like a they, thing that would have happened. Well, that was the that was the pay-per-view of the egg, so no one cared. <laughs> oh, 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 we're nearly at the one-year anniversary of the egg. Oh my god. The egg. Um <laughs> but this time Black Adam's about to come out, Jeremy. There you go. And then uh, does that mean he's going to get a golden lightning bolt now instead? I don't know. It's war games this year, so it'll be better. <laughs> it'll be better immediately. But and then the main on. event of 2021, as mentioned, was Roman Reigns defeating the demon Finn Balor in an Extreme Rules match for the Universal title. Thanks to God. There you go. So there you go. <laughs> where do we go for 2022? And I've just also noticed that the year before was subtitled The Horror Show as well. Yes, so. because they, they played with silly, silly matches like Eye for an Eye, where Rey Mysterio lost an eye. Because why not? Uh, that also had the swamp match between Braun Strowman and uh, and Bray Wyatt at the time, which was a very weird one. As okay, well. you know what? I'm going to derail this wallet. I'll, I'll very quickly run down <laughs> what happened. Because, that, again, it's interesting to eat. So, pre show, Kevin Owens defeated Murphy. Yeah. Uh, tables match for, for SmackDown tag titles. Cesaro and Nakamura defeated the New Day of Biggie and Kofi. Nice. SmackDown women's title match. Bailey with Sasha defeated Nikki Cross with Alexa. Yeah, that, that was a time ago. Eye for an eye. Rollins defeated Rey Mysterio in, in in very fine print italics here. The match could only be won when one competitor extracted an eye of their opponent. You mean painted <laughs> ping pong ball? <laughs> uh, Asuka defeated. Uh, sorry, Asuka and Sasha Banks went to a no contest. Excuse me for the Raw Women's Title. Mm-hmm. Extreme Rules match for the WWE Championship. Drew McIntyre defeated Dolph Ziggler with the following additional fine print. The Extreme Rules stipulation only applied to Ziggler. McIntyre had to wrestle under normal singles rules. Additionally, had McIntyre gotten disqualified or counted out, Ziggler would have won the title. And then the main event was the quote-unquote Wyatt Swamp fight. 
Okay. So this brings us now. This genuinely now brings us on to 2022. So, like I said, I think that what was really good was really good, and Mm. the bad was bad. And we'll be interesting to see where we fall on this. I think it's fair to say though, what opened the show was freaking great. You mean the good old fashioned, the good old fashioned Donny Brook match? And if you can go out of your way to see one match on this show, watch this. That is my opinion. Like, this has got a bit of everything. It's a great follow-up to not only the Clash at the Castle match involving Sheamus and Gunter. I haven't seen the rematch on SmackDown. I've heard about the tap-out malarkey that occurred. So it's kind it of a, a bit of a follow-on from that. But this I, is a nice next chapter in, in this uh, big rivalry between the, the, the two trios. Yeah, I saw, I saw the rematch on SmackDown before Extreme Rules. Yeah, there was a bit of a kerfuffle with the sense because he's like... It's like Gunter only sort of tapped the mat, like, like lightly tapped it twice, and it it wasn't. It didn't seem like it was in a I quit submission sort of mm. way. It was kind of like him sort of clutching for like, oh, I need to get a grip on something. So, it's it's one of the, it's one of those things. And the fact of the matter is, it's kind of like it. I think it kind of led to a little bit of confusion, so Imperium could run down and cause a distraction for the finish. Because essentially, what happened is. Uh, Imperium come down, brawling brutes come down. They have a little squabble around the rings. Uh, Walt uh, Gunther gets uh, Gunther. Sorry, I used to be the way they do the SmackDown announcer because I like it when they go Gunther. We now have and three Gun- names to call him now. <laughs> uh, Gunther gets uh, a shillelagh and and Dex Sheamus with it to win. Um, so yeah, I can't. Yeah, it's a bit weird, but it was still a, a fairly decent rematch. Not and as this, good. And not, this six man tag was great. Castle. Yeah, the, no, the, yeah, this one was good. This one was very good. Yeah, there were all sorts of weapons about the place. And by weapons, I mean like, you know, bits of a bar, you know, giant wooden kegs and stuff like that. A really, really. Seamus's grandfather as well. Which looks look like Seamus. I was going to say, that looks suspiciously <laughs> like Seamus. So, you know, at least the family tree is real, I suppose. <laughs> but, but yeah, this is, this is just, if you like hard hitting action, just imagine it with two trios who are up for mullering each other. It's really, really good fun. Yes. Now, there are some nice little touches that I do like in the match, especially with Imperium's entrance now, because when, when Gunter takes off his jacket, immediately Ludwig Kaiser has picked it up and kind of twirled it around his arm. It's like it's just done in this weird sort of fluid motion, which I only sort of noticed on the SmackDown before. It's like, well, that's new. It's like, it's like a magician. He really is. But, um, but no, very hard hitting, lots of chops, lots of slaps. Um, <laughs> it's pretty much <laughs> stiff wrestling, and the crowd were eating it up. And it's just, it, it's a good. I mean, I mean, some, some reviews have just said they could be, they could keep feuding, and I think we'll all be fine with it. To be perfectly yep. honest, let's put them in war games. Let's put them in war games in a couple of months' time. It'll be fun. But I, I kind of do feel, I kind of do feel it is building to Sheamus winning that title at yeah. some point, um, possibly at Survivor Series. Maybe it, I would. I wouldn't do it at Crown Jewel. I think it would be a disservice to do it at Crown Jewel because I think if Sheamus is going to win the Intercontinental Champion, a belt he hasn't won before, it'd be nice to do it at an America, like a, a US show, because then you will definitely get that support. You'll definitely get that I, reaction from the crowd. I, I was going to be quite direct now. I say is at least it'll be in front of an audience that arguably would be far more invested in it. True. I could be even more direct than that, but I won't. 
Uh, one of the big moments of the match, actually, I'm just recalling in my brain, was when Gunter was put through the commentator's table via mm. just like a big, the Celtic cross, aka Razor's Edge, basically. So that was like one of the bigger moments of the match as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was that as well. But yeah, yeah, so if you like... like Go on, sorry, I keep cutting you off. I'm really sorry. Oh, and they all, and they also they also destroyed the um they also destroyed part of like the LED barricade as well, and it was still perfectly working. I was impressed that from from the fact that I now work in the AV industry, it's good tech, it's very good tech. <laughs> but so, you know, funny enough, I was actually going to bring this up, but part of me does wonder: was that actually on, or had they kind of gimmicked it to be like that part of the logo? I don't know. Answers just, on a po- it, I say answer on a postcard. Answers on the it, tweet, I guess. It did. It did just casually seem like it just fell over in the like the, in the de- in the debris in the battling, in that sort of way. So, uh. Uh, the next match on the card, it was for the SmackDown Women's Championship in an Extreme Rules match. This was Ronda Rousey versus the champion Liv Morgan. Okay, so. The short version, Ronda Rousey won. The slightly longer version, Ronda Rousey won by either applying a bicep submission hold that somehow made Liv Morgan pass out, or via a choke that Liv Morgan was smiling to as she passed out. Take your pick. It's really difficult to figure out based on the commentary as well. The other version... This match, much as I, I've liked kind of the other matches that they've had and whatnot, this was not this was not pretty. And that's a bad word to use probably in this context. A lot of stuff just wasn't working, just kind of wasn't going their way. It felt very, very clunky, I guess is one way to put it. Arguably, because I've said this before when it comes to certain matches like this, that did add to the sort of real feel of it and like the unique situation. That's all well and good. But this genuinely did just feel like, what the heck is going on at times? And it was also primarily built around a baseball bat that Liv Morgan had brought with her to ringside. And they sort of had to like not have Liv Morgan hit Ronda. But then I think ultimately Ronda hit her like 10 times or something. Ridiculous. And it's like, all right, you know, one's enough. Two, just to be sure. But you know, 10, this isn't GTA, you know. It's a little bit of a, a no. It's, it's quite a no-sell show. For this one um yeah this match this this match was a match um it's a bit of a shame because it's like they were kind of building up to something i i felt that this would be more of a brutal war mm. for the way that they'd been kind of uh promoting it on smackdown because i think mean, one of the last major interactions they had on smackdown was like a pull apart brawl mm. as well so it's like okay we're gonna have a bit of animosity that means all bets are off we might have a bit of a good show here. Um, but no, it, it ultimately kind of revolved around this bat, which Liv wasn't using, and <laughs> Ronda was. Um, a couple of, yeah, it's just basically, it's like Ronda didn't really want to use any weapons. She was just quite happily using her her fists and her, and her feet because obviously she is the MMA star. Okay, because quite frankly, stuff. they in and of themselves are weapons. Mm. <laughs> she is the weapon. There um, you go. Yeah, and it's just yeah, it's like yeah. There's a bit. It's a bit rough there at the start, and you go, okay, this works into the thing of oh yeah, this is a brawl. But it gets noticeable. It gets considerably noticeable towards mm-hmm. the end. There's this, there was a spot with a chair in the corner where I think Liv was supposed to kind of wedge it into the corner and then do a move to throw Ronda into the chair. The chair fell out after like gentle 
nudge of the ropes. If I may uh, just say, according to Corey Graves, I think, as he said in the later match, the furniture didn't want to cooperate, quote unquote. Yes, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, and then, yeah, they tried to, they, they, they tried to sort of wing it that way a little bit. The finish is a bit weird because it's like, uh, yeah, uh, Liv goes, does like a uh, senton through the table and all of a sudden Ronda's got it in this sort of hold. And I kind of feel like it might be like a, like a thigh crush or something, but I guess they didn't really want to say thigh crush because obviously people will be going, oh, it's like, I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, le- it, it's leaving a lot of very lewd imaginations there. That's all I'm going to say on it. Especially when you've yeah. got the graphic of, when you've got the image of Liv Morgan smiling as she's wedged between the leg and the thigh of Ronda Rousey. In the way. I mean, hey, maybe it was just her laughing at what the hell is this? Like, it's like, this, it's this, like, this, this is my like, 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 you know I'm going to have an app now. It's like, you know what? I, I survived. Whatever. Have the title. I want it. Yeah. But I have the title. Yeah. Let, let, let's just move on and pretend none of this ever happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one assumes that, I mean, I, I don't know at this point what Becky Lynch's status is because I know she got injured during the SummerSlam match with Bianca, but I, one yeah. of the rumors for a while was that in theory we might be working towards a big Becky v. Ronda match, the, the match we've not had, as it were. So it doesn't surprise me that Ronda's the champion, but it maybe surprises me she's champion this early, if that makes sense. I mean, there's I mean, there's no harm in, in her having another... Again, there's no, there is no harm of her having a run with the belt again to build up. To, I think, I think, I think, it, I think it was, I think it was either... I think this might be Russell Talk who 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 reflected on this. I think this whole little small period has been like a rehabilitation for the Ronda Rousey character because mm. until she lost it at Money in the Bank, she wasn't that interesting as a character. And the whole sort of badass sort of sort of aura, especially with the feuding with Adam Pearce for a couple of weeks and stuff like that, it built up that sort of okay. Okay, she doesn't like authority, that sort of stuff. She's a badass again, all that sort of stuff. So maybe this is now putting Ronda back on track on saying, okay, we can carry on as normal with our proposed plan. So Ronda can have, she might have another match with with Liv. I really don't want to see another match with Liv. There's some great potential there with Shayna Baszler, maybe. Mm-hmm. You can have a little side, you can have a little side feud there. But yeah, I think when we get to when we get to Rumble season, it I think this the plan's still gonna be. Becky Ronda at Mania next year. That's it, it, it seems that it seems the most logical choice to me right now. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Mm. Next up, we had a strap match between Karrion Cross with Scarlett and Drew McIntyre. Karrion Cross getting the win after Scarlett got in the ring. Drew McIntyre walked by her like a gentleman. And then Scarlett, as a, as Jim Ross might have once said, being the Jezebel that she is. Pepper sprayed Drew McIntyre. Like, that's, that, that's, not- the ex- that's the extreme level, pun intended, of how things progressed. Thankfully, not a fireball, which went wrong a couple of weeks ago because it didn't go anywhere near Drew. <laughs> it was just, a, just a bright light that slightly made his corneas feel he, he a just, bit of pain. He just, he just went, what was that? Okay, improvise. Okay, low blow. <laughs> was it as bad as the legendary Ultimate Warrior fireball versus Hulk Hogan at Halloween Havoc 98? I cannot remember what you told me. Have you, have you ever seen this? I, I don't think I have, to be honest, but I would not be surprised if it was worse. Um, Go out of your way to see it because 
let's just say Hogan was in one corner of the ring, Warrior was in the other, and Hogan lit it a bit too early and just kind of threw it in the air. It's like, where? But while he was still facing the opposite direction. (laughs) It could go backwards. He must be playing some sort of (laughs) rail shooter game. (laughs) Hulk Hogan's a magician. But, um... But yeah, so this match, general story of memories, uh, if my memory is correct, that Drew was ready for the match, carrying Cross wasn't. We got a bit of a brawl on the outside and whatnot before Cross eventually had the strap, I was going to say forcibly applied to his wrist, but that's an interesting phrase. Before Drew put well, the strap... that's what happened. Yeah, true. That's what happened. I was trying to think of a better way of phrasing it. But eventually Drew was the one to uh, properly get the match beginning, as it were, because yeah. uh, carrying Cross was not was not cooperating with the furniture, as it were. And this was all right. Wasn't anything massively special. There was a lot of, no. like, obviously, the strap hit being, like, hit against each other. So I'm sure they both got incredibly large amounts of leather welts on their backs this morning mm. and such. This was all right. Ultimately, it was clearly to try and get carrying Cross over more. This was mm. clearly designed to make him come across more of, like, a bit more of a force. Maybe a la what we saw him before the infamous main roster debut yeah. from his original NXT run. Um, there is something missing, though, with Karrion Cross. I've not really seen him since he's come back. I think I saw like the initial thing when he came back and it was all black and white or something, mm. and I saw him sitting in the crowd at Clash at the Castle. There is something missing. I'm very glad Scarlett's there because even just from the entrance point of view, it still adds a heck of a lot and they've got the yeah. they've got the timing of it really works out well on camera. So for me, I just thought that's really good how you have you done that from a production point of view. It's a good job. There is just something missing about it. I almost want to just have like a big cloak or a trench coat. Kind of like Undertaker. I think he needs something like that. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, in terms of presentation, presentation is pretty much Mm. Fine. There's nothing wrong with the presentation. It's absolutely perfect in, in that sense. You've got Cross and Scarlet together. That's what made them a name in NXT. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Why fix it, Vince? Why fix it to something else like a gimp mask or something? I don't know. Anyway, here um, comes the axe, and here comes the smasher, the oh demolition, no. <laughs> walking oh disaster. No. Hey, um, greatest theme song ever. One of them. I, I would defend. I, I would die on that hill, as it were. <laughs> The match itself, I think, yeah, it had a little, little, little moments of like, okay, this is getting interesting. But it was again, it was like a start, it was a start-stop affair. And I think, I don't know, it's like it's possibly finding that right partner for Cross to really mm-hmm. get over somewhat like mon- a monster heel sort of way because it's it's quite clear they're trying to position him as a viable challenger for Roman down the way. Because some of his promos have been going, I'm just going to take care of Drew and I'm going to focus on becoming a history-making person by becoming the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. Which I don't think is going to happen anytime soon, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think it's about finding the right partner for him to have, to really demonstrate his qualities as a wrestler. I mean, he's got the look. He's got the menace. He's got the presentation. He's got the manager of Scarlett. It's, it's just something about, I guess... The moveset repertoire a little bit. The finishes are fine. You've got the Saito suplex and you've got cross jacket. And then you've got like, it's kind of like similar to Bull Hammer or a Will Ospreay's finish with the elbow. Which Oh yeah, the, the kind of the, the, the cross blade elbow thing. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, 
I don't I know. It's, I guess. The, the hidden blade, that's what Osprey calls it, sorry. Yeah. Maybe the strap was probably not the best thing to use for this match. It is a Maybe. very limiting concept yeah. in some ways. Yeah, because they weren't really doing much with the strap other than tie each other around the post, whip them a couple of times, repeat on another pole or something like that. And it was more the same. There was no sort of people trying to be choking people out or or even doing something like trying to get away. It's like with the dog collar match at Revolution between MGF and, and CM Punk, where it's like, oh, MGF will try and get out of the ring, but he can't because he's, mm-hmm. he's attached to the chain, that sort of thing. So there was not little bits and pieces like that. So it's like, maybe the strap match stipulation was probably not a good one for them. Maybe they could have just had a good old-fashioned extreme rules in that sort of way. Even just maybe yeah, just but, as a concept of false count anywhere. Yeah, or false count anywhere, stuff like that. That might have changed things. I mean... Will we see them fight again? Possibly. Would not be surprised. Um, but yeah, essentially, it's kind of like in, in the grand scheme of, of getting cross wins, this was the right call. But there's still some work to be done. Hmm. This feud must continue. <laughs> well, I mean, the promo side of things have been too bad. Again, it's like there are bits that have been decent on this feud. It's just like the end product or hmm. when, the, when the big moments come into it. It, that's where it goes a little bit off. Next up, we had an I Quit match. Oh, we did not actually. I'll skip one. Oh, we had a ladder match, sorry, for the WWE yes. Raw Women's Championship. It was Bianca Belair defeating Bailey. Now, one of the big things about this was the fact that that Damage Control, that being Dakota and EO, had become the women's tag champs. And now Bailey had her sights set finally on becoming champion once again. This was an all right ladder match. I mean, I say all right. I don't mean it like that. But if you're looking for this to be top tier ladder match, if I put it this way for what you've seen in the past, this isn't up there. This was by many accounts, I've heard a few people describe it as pretty safe, which good because they're dangerous. Indeed. At the same time, some of the stuff they did was really freaking impressive. Like, mm. was it one of the moments that stand, stood out to me the most was Bella doing the KO, her KOD finisher on Bailey while she was holding half of a ladder. That yes. was like that looked like it sucked for Bailey. <laughs> it did. But on on the kind of like the reasoning side of things is what what was I get I guess the idea was I guess the idea there was Belair put Bailey into that position. Yeah, I'm trying just thinking of put the right people around in the right order here. Yeah, mm. so Bailey, so Belair's got Bailey preparing for kiss of death. Bailey's probably going, oh, I'll just grab the ladder. That will save me. And the ladder just sort of pulls away. Okay, I kind of care to that sort of sense. It's like, it's a weird, it's a weird spot, but it's also still quite impressive. Um, I, I, in a way, imagine it being maybe Bailey thought, if I hold this, I'll be too heavy. That, that's yeah. how, that's how like my inner monologue and brain thinking yeah. has done it. Probably not conveyed well in the commentary, maybe. I don't know. Mm. But um, no, I think, I'm with you. I think this is a fairly. It wasn't all right. It was a fairly decent ladder match. It's not a terrible ladder match. I've seen worse. And I think it's it's pretty serviceable. I think the feud's going to continue. Mm-hmm. There's definitely, there's no questions about it. It's continuing. Um, whether or not Bailey claims the belt at the next event or somewhere down the line, we'll have to see. But um, no, I think as a, as a chapter in the feud against Damage Control, good. It's fine. It's fine. It's been a bit, with damage control as a faction, it's a little bit, bit kind of topsy turvy a bit because it's like, it's like EO Sky and Dakota should have won the tag team belts to begin with, 
yet they won it like a couple of weeks later. Mm. And I don't want I don't want another sort of situation with this where Bailey kind of should have won from a storytelling perspective here, but then we wait till like maybe Crown Jewel or maybe Survivor Series to do it. I don't know, but it's like as long as it as long as it doesn't feel like that. Oh, we might have made the wrong call here. Quick change, then that's fine. But yeah, serviceable. Yeah. Serviceable. It it was a decent match. Not not terrible. Good. And it's like yeah, considering the dangers of a ladder match. Yeah, there was some there was some danger. There was some stuff. Everyone everyone was happy. Mm. Two points from me, and then we'll we'll progress as as we want to. Yep. But the first one is in the build-up video for this match. Because again, like I've sort of said before, people, I haven't got BT Sport and such, so I can't watch Raw and SmackDown regularly. I just kind of see the odd few clips here and there and then whatever I see on, mm-hmm. the, on these plea events. Yeah. So in the story, based on the video package, Bailey was the one that chose this match. Yes. And Damage Control got involved, ultimately, and Be- uh, Becky, wrong person's name, uh, Bianca was able to overcome the multiple people. Yes. This kind of feels like to me that if it was Bailey that chose the match, she probably should have won it, especially mm. given how they emphasized that damage control had taken out everyone else. I get the idea of, you know, Bianca overcoming adversity and whatnot and somehow winning. It does yeah. just kind of feel like, okay, what's the next step? Because I can't, I can't figure out a natural progression for there to be another match now. Unless, realistically, it's a trios match involving damage control versus Bianca and friends. For all the belts. I mean, maybe, heck, maybe you, at Survivor you, Series, they effectively do a double title match. Like, whoever could, gets yeah. the win. You could do. Because then, yeah, if, if, if damage control wins, Bailey becomes champion. If Bianca wins... Whoever's partnering them with her, maybe Oscar and Alexa Bliss, they win the tag belts. Possibly win a take all. Could be something. Mm. I mean, I don't necessarily envision it, but it's just like I, unless Belair, not uh, not Belair, Bailey's not the one to take the belt off Bianca later on. Because I still think, and we're, we're going to be moving on to, we're going to be moving on to um, uh, Judgment Day very shortly. But it's kind of like it's still very interesting that we haven't seen Rhea go for that belt despite the fact she was due to have a match at Money at the Bank, I think this year, for mm. it, and had to be pulled out because of injury. So, there's still that. There is still kind of that that that, like, that pin in the conversation, if you will, yeah. that yeah. needs to sort of be resolved. But yeah, I mean, the, the whole like winner-take-all concept, it, it's arguably a bit WCW in terms of booking ideas, because, mm. boy, there have been some weird WCW booking ideas, let me tell you. But... It, I I think in terms of what's the next natural progression for Bailey to get a rematch, because Bianca at this point doesn't need to give Bailey one, as far as I'm concerned, based on what I just yeah. saw. Yeah, and obviously know, she yeah. she'll be the fighting champion and go, oh sure, I'll beat you again or whatever. But or they might have a qualifiers match to see who gets the challenger next. Mm. Ta-da! It's Bailey again, or yeah, still I- a feud. But then again, as we were sort of alluding to earlier, when it came to the Ronda thing, one assumes at some point Becky's going to be back in the picture. Becky Lynch, that is. And Mm -hmm. one assumes that she will become champion and we might get a unified women's champion at the end of it, like the whole two belts thing. Or maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just simply, it'll be for the one title. Maybe. Or or you could swap 
you could if Becky's going to be looking after going after SmackDown Championship, you probably could throw when she comes back. You could probably take Charlotte to Raw. Mm. I don't think she's feuded with um, Belair yet. Was but, it Ronda and storyline that that broke quote unquote Charlotte's arm? Yes. All right, so that will probably be the logical place for that to begin then. Yeah. Maybe. In fairness, actually, depending where things are at, maybe that's the direction next for Ronda, that mm. she's going to fight Charlotte for a while. And it'll <sighs> be another epic Survivor Series match between the both of them. <sighs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not that... It's like, they're both talented, but it's just like, that, that feud was done to dev the first half of the year. I don't need it again for the second half of the year. I feel... I'd rather have, I'd rather have the shade of base of feud. Thank you very much. I feel you have made your judgment on what you feel about that as a potential match. Pretty much. With that in mind, then, why don't we move on to Judgment Day talk? <laughs> no, no, but the, the, you forgot the, the. Oh, sorry. The Judgment the, Day. The. Or if it's in, like in German, is it Der Judgment Day or something? <laughs> the Judgment Day, D. There you go. <laughs> no one who speaks German could ever be evil. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to pick up on that. I'm glad. Um, so yeah, so we got an I Quit match between Finn Balor and Edge. Mm. Okay. First of all, Finn Balor got the win. That's not the whole story here. Which was the which was a from a kind of let's make Judgment Day a big deal now. Tick, big tick. Mm-hmm. Um, but within I mean, that, fi- but, but within that framework, Ian, within that framework. Did this need to go half a blooming hour? I mean, this is this is an edge match. And we, we've, I, we've talked about this. We've talked about this before. Edge matches tend to start off very slowly and then start picking up towards the pace. And then Oh boy, we, they do. Yeah, and then we have a massive crescendo, which this match had, and the crescendo was amazing. But it's like you have to kind of be patient with the he's like, are you gonna give up? <sighs> No. Okay. Two minutes later. Do you give up? No. <laughs> that was my bad Do you do you give up? Never. <laughs> but yeah, it's is, just... your na- is your name Bo- Finn? It's Finn. Is it Barr? No. Well, you're not quitting. <laughs> you see, there was a part in this match before we sort of delve into problems, before we get onto the really good stuff at the end with this. There was part because one time Edge specifically said on the microphone, I won't like I'll never quit or I do I don't quit. Like he said something very specific that made me thought, are you gonna like is someone gonna press record on that and then just replay it like they did with like Mankind and the Rocket Rumble 99? Because they've never really done that when there was like the the pre-taped thing. I mean, I kind of I kind of foresaw I kind of felt going into this match. The only way Edge will probably say I quit is if he's made to. And whether that's either a friend or he's about to get seriously injured, obviously, in this case, it's Mrs. Edge, Beth Phoenix, the Glamazon. Um, and I felt that's the, that's the only way this match ends for Finn, for victory. He's just like, there's no, there's no way, there's no way he's getting a normal I quit in a while. Because it just, because of that never say quit attitude, it's like, of course, there's going to be some shenanigans to cause this victory so um, let, let's, let's let's sort of do a cliff notes as to how this began and how it progressed because it started in the ring then mm-hmm. eventually i don't know how long but it felt like an eternity at one point then eventually 
went into a bit of a brawl around the crowd. They ended up at the kickoff set, which was quite amusing, sort of doing a little few moments on there involving a hockey stick and a crossface yep. submission. Yep. They brawled up a set of staircase, uh, up a giant staircase, as it were, and then Edge crotched himself on the like the, the dividing barrier, the bar, as you yep. walk down the set of stairs, and then proceeded to walk down as Bella walked after him. Yep. Uh, ended up back in the ringside area. This led to Judgment Day eventually coming down. Mm-hmm. which saw, I think it was Dominic, then get face-to-face with Edge when it was just those two for a few moments. And one of my favorite moments of the match... Oh, go on. Did I miss something? I think I think first is Edge's handcuffed to the ring rope. Oh, everyone was that then? Being, oh, I thought that yeah, was a bit... Yeah, everyone starts beating up with him. Then Beth, Beth appears, takes some people out. No, no, before Beth, it's Ray. Ray comes down. Ray comes down. To yeah, help right. Out. So, so Ray comes down. I'm assuming makes a big return since we last saw him at Clash of the yeah. Castle. Get his balls kicked in, as it were. Yeah. And uh, he does a thing, gets taken out relatively quickly. We do not see him again until after the match has ended. Good return, yes. Ray. Because because Dom bastard son really beats him up. <laughs> Dom Michael bastard Con- son Mike- Mysterio. <laughs> Ma- Michael Cole going, "That's your father, you stupid kid. Someone needs to punch this kid." Give him a slap around the face for hurting his dad. So th- there was a great moment, which again, I can't remember if this was before or after the handcuffs that, that get applied mm. to Edge via Rhea Ripley, but there's a moment when it's just Dom and Edge in the ring. And Dom's kind of going, hey, yeah, I'm a dumb kid. Ha <laughs> ha, why don't we hang out again like old times? And extends his hand out for a handshake. And then Edge shakes it and perfectly timed does the swiftest kick to the balls you could possibly do. And I howled with laughter because credit to Dom, the rest of the match, like when when Finn did like the three coup de gras from the top rope, mm. Dom, while holding Edge's legs so he couldn't move, was still selling his nuts. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> he was still like clutching going, ah! Yeah, it's, it was just, the, it's like the, the rush to the end was just a bit insane because you had, you had the first bit of, of Edge being handcuffed to the ring to the ring ropes. Ray turned up, and then everyone else is getting kendo sticks and starting. Rhea Ripley's decided to go have a chat with someone in the audience for a little bit. Back. If you see in the if you see in the background, she's just leaning against the barricade, just kind of going, Yeah, yeah, we're winning. It's fine. It's fine. Totally fine. Then Beth Phoenix turns up, and then there's all, all manner of madness. Edge gets loose, does free spears, because why not? Well, this <laughs> is the key detail is that Beth and Beth and Rhea had like a stare down in the ring and led to a bit of a brawl, of which mm. specifically Beth started saying to Rhea, this is your dream match. So mm. we're getting a match between the two at some point. Mm. Part of me wouldn't be surprised for whatever reason, even though after the match it would imply it should be a bit later, if this perhaps happens at Survivor Series or something. Yeah. It seems logical. But we'll come back to the Beth and Rhea dynamic in a minute because that adds a nice, unique element now to the whole Judgment mm. Day Edge Gang storyline. I don't know what to yeah. call it. Because um, eventually the match the match concludes with obviously Edge is beaten down again. Beth's about to help, help out, but unfortunately she's hit by a chair by Rhea. And then Kinchetto is set up. And it's very oh, simple. no, no, is not hit by a chair. Mm. Oh, no. Rhea punches her oh, with brass a set knuckles. of. Brass knuckles, brass knuckles because yes, I remember that because it was the second time in the matter of days I saw brass knuckles on wrestling television. If you oh, watched man. AEW Dynamite, and it's like someone watched Dynamite, didn't they? 
it's like all this wrestling's copying one another in a way. Uh, no, you are influenced. Correct. Yes, basically, <laughs> Beth is taken out with brass knuckles. Concerto set up. Finn basically goes, "You're gonna quit, or we're gonna really hurt Beth." And obviously, Edge, being the noble husband that he is, goes, "I quit. Don't hurt her. I quit." And then Beth gets concertoed anyway. Like the dastardly which, which, heels the judgment which, day are. Which I knew was gonna happen. It's kind of it's kind of like you're coming for proper for proper evil villain heat. You still go through with it. The crowd were, like, unless it was crowd sweetening, which wouldn't be the first time. The crowd were were really into it at this point mm. and were really just game for whatever was go, was going on in front of them. Mm. Pardon me. So this is really good. And I've got now got the idea at Survivor Series. We get like a trios match where yeah. it's a combination of Judgment Day, but specifically features Rhea. And then we have more than likely Edge, Ray, and Beth. So it means we can actually get like that dynamic happening because I am well up for seeing Rhea v. Beth. I that mean, could be some, really good fun. I mean, something that hasn't been touched upon during the PR, during the, the premium live event was the current storyline of AJ Styles because. In the, they, like, they alluded to that very the, briefly. Yeah, in like the side, like a side story in Judgment Day is is Finn going, "Hey AJ, I'm your friend. We're friends. Come join Judgment Day." Bullet no. Club for life. Bullet Club, <laughs> but this time Judgment Day for life. It's like, no, I'm fine as it is. I like being alone. It's like, but but AJ, if I beat you up, it's gonna hurt me because I'm your friend, and I'm gonna do the same thing to do, like I did to Edge, like put his head in a chair and then stamp on it. But I don't do that because I'm your friend. And you kind of think it's going somewhere. It's like, I will be stunned if it leads to AJ joining Judgment Day. I don't think it will. But- in fairness, you've just answered the question because I was thinking, how could they make it an eight-person tag? You've just answered it. AJ's on Team Edge. Mm. Maybe. We'll see. Because then mean, that would like- be... Let me let me get my people right. Bala, Priest, Dom, and Rhea... Versus Edge, Ray, Beth, and AJ. There's your Survivor Series match right there. Could work. I mean, the only only asterisk I have against this is like it is the Edge feud is continuing, which of course is annoying on one side. But the fact is, it seems like the characters seem more aligned to what they should be doing, because although I think until Triple H took over, Judgment Day was just losing things left, right, and center. And now it's like, now they're winning things left, right, and center. And it's like, okay, things are going in a direction. Maybe the so, big plot twist is ultimately Edge will be brainwashed and will end up back in Judgment Day. If Edge, if Edge turns up as Judgment Day leader again, I will be annoyed. Oh, no, no. Judgment Day brainwashed Lackey. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I, I I have a feeling the story is going to probably evolve a little bit more of AJ Styles. I think I think we'll get to the stage where Edge will probably bow out of this storyline because it, it, it has to. They have they have to they have to reach a point. I mean, I know they look at long term storytelling now. They've actually hired someone for long term storytelling, but it's it's like it can't keep Edge can't keep on with Judgment Day, nor can Ray. Please, can they do something else soon? I mean, I, I, I understand from story, I understand from story point now why we are carrying on a little bit more. But there has to come a time where it's like, right, new people, please, to deal with Judgment Day. 
Look anyway. forward to this to this rivalry continuing or randomly concluding at Crown Jewel. But meanwhile, <laughs> backstage, the Miz had an issue with a hockey mascot who looks like the Sugar Puff Monster. Yes, yes, and all he wanted the Miz to do was to wear a T-shirt. So, so Dexter Loomis turned up and choked him out. <laughs> yeah, this is basically all you need to know. Uh, apparently, um, on on because we're recording this Sunday evening for context, yeah. like the day after the, the event took place. And on Raw, there's going to be some kind of birthday celebration for for young, for, for young Mizzletop, as it were. So I guess yeah. that birthday party would get ruined by Dexter Loomis staring. And more mascots. Basically, that's the Loom, that's the Loomis faction now. He's got mascots for friends. And wait, they're in Brooklyn. What's the mascot of the Brooklyn Nets? It's, a, it's an important research. Is it a giant net? Brooklyn. It's not a net. I know. I, I, I do not believe it's a net. Before people Nets. get angry in the comments, it's not a net. Uh, Brooklyn Nets mascot. Um, I mean, Red NFC ones is, is a lion called Kingsley, who's got a wife called Queensley. And they had a son during lockdown called Princely. And they're all big animal fursuit amphros. I'm going to read verbatim. From this website that has appeared on my Google search, I'm going to read verbatim what this first sentence is. Brooklyn Nets NBA official mascots. Duncan the Dragon, Sly the Silver Fox, and Brooklyn Knight. Well, a knight and a dragon should turn up to this birthday party. Oh, is this, wait, is this the history of the... I'm not even... Let's just... Uh, that's the, there you go. You've just learned about various mascots, people. Have fun with that. I'm not going to read any more into that because it seems to be a big history about the mascots of the Brooklyn Nets. Moving on. So, the... the, the so, actually, wait. So I should clarify, just to finish off the thought on that match. Mm. The last 10 minutes or so of this were freaking great. If you can't watch the whole match, fast forward to, like, the last 10 minutes or so You'll know how long, how much to fast forward because the match basically goes 29 minutes, 55 seconds, according to Wikipedia. So you know to fast forward approximately 20 minutes. The last 10 minutes of this or so were freaking great, great story, great development, some really unique and interesting visuals from a WWE perspective. Well, there's, there was a wicked spear through the ropes as well. Mm. It's like it speared, I think it's... Oh, he basically like a suicide dive spear, didn't he? Yeah, he speared Finn through the ropes and they landed on Dom and Damien Priest. And probably nearly on his own head, to a degree. Oh, no. So the main event was the Fight Pit match with UFC legend Daniel Cormier serving as the special referee. This match went 16 minutes, 35 seconds. It felt longer. This... I thought oh, was really boring. There were some fun moments, like Matt Riddle doing the giant leaping kick off the cage like that other U- MMA fighter did a couple of years ago, making him look like Goku or something. Mm. There were a couple of interesting moments. A ridiculous moment when Riddle did a senton off the top of the fight pit platform to then crush, yeah. li- what looked like literally crush Seth Rollins. So God knows how he feels. The whole Daniel Cormier thing, so I've got a theory now when it comes to WWE and special referees. Special referees do nothing but call the action. Look at Jeff Jarrett at SummerSlam. 
just mm-hmm. called the action. Nothing happened. The only things that occurred both in that match and this match were both participants, if you will, or both teams in the case of SummerSlam, having a moment when they sort of did something that Jeff Jarrett didn't like. And then Cormier kind of pulled them both to one side and went, hey, you're fighting him, not me. Yeah, because I, I yeah, to clarify, it's just, there were moments where both inadvertently bump into to Cormier. Uh, thank you, I forgot that keyword, inadvertently, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They Yeah, so basically it's like, it's like I think the first one's riddles pounding on hundred on Seth inadvertently back elbows Cormier to the point that Cormier sort of goes oi no stop it and I can't I can't remember how Seth gets in trouble but again he does something he it was something very point. similar wasn't it I think yeah something very for something very no I know I think he pushes he pushes Cormier away mm. because again I think he's getting into a corner or something like that and then it's like oh no give him some space it's like no mm. push away and then. Which logic would dictate that that's going to lead to one or the other getting clomped by Cormier, like it would have done with Jarrett, but just doesn't. It just doesn't lead to anything, which isn't an issue. It's just, I don't, it just, I don't know. Just, I don't know. It, it was. I, I didn't mind it. It was an all. It was fine. It did what it needed to do. Riddle got a win back. That's. That's the important bit, and apart from probably those big moments like uh, the the sent on off the off the top of the fight pit and stuff like that, I think the concept works. I think it's again, it's like it's probably about the people in the ring. I mean, Riddle makes sense because of the MMA side of things, and having Cormier involved obviously has that extra MMA sort of viewership going. Ooh, because there was no pins. I agree. There's no, there's no pins or anything like that. He was simply just like it's mixed martial art rules in a way. You either knock someone out or you make them submit. It's one of the it's it's one of those sort of things. So maybe it's that maybe it's maybe it's the fact that there was no sort of pins or element of near falls or near things. Because basically it was just a central back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then riddle one. And maybe, maybe they needed a bit more kind of like almighty oh, tap, or oh, is he about to pass out, that sort of thing. So maybe you have that little bit of drama in the middle of the match. Impossible. I don't recall seeing that sort of drama in it because towards like the the like the later third, like the last third, they go up to the top. There's a very ruthless buckle bomb on the edge of the of the cage, which is a bit nasty. A pedigree was, RKO, was in there. Pedigree RKOs and stuff like that. And the fact is, those moves are fine and all, but they're not. I think for this match, they're not going to be like the ultimate finishers. You obviously expect them to be the ultimate finishers in a normal wrestling match or a normal WWE wrestling match. Mm. But because it is this sort of, no, you knock them out or you or you make them submit, and it has to be done in the ring, not on top of the little viewing platform. So that's a weird thing to have in the cage, I suppose. I don't know. But it's like, I've, it's like I know they did fight pit matches in NXT and they were quite successful, but I hadn't watched any of them. It seems like a fine concept. I think it's about, it's about building the drum inside the actual pit. If you make it work, it works. But I think there just didn't seem a much drama in it. Fair points. Fair points. Uh, two other random notes before I forget. First of all, I did like Seth Rollins being a tribute to Rob Van Dam. Yes. That was cool. I thought I thought for a second it was like, is he just entering it in just a giant like overall onesie? It's like, oh mm. no, he's gonna zip that off. It's fine. <laughs> uh, the other thing, I thought so 
I, I I haven't seen the other fight pit matches, but based on the footage they showed previously, the fight pit's either been in a Thunderdome environment or in a very intimate setting, like, say, the Performance Center, like they've, in Capital Wrestling thing. They've both been in NXT. I think one was 20, 2019, hmm. and I think the other was 2020. The first one, I think, was... Uh, first one was Riddle. Was it Riddle? Yeah, it was Riddle and some... Uh, quick look. Oh, no, uh, no, 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 no. I think, I think Timothy Thatch has been involved in both of them. The first fight pit match was held May 27th, 2020, Riddle, an episode Thatcher of NXT between, between Riddle and Thatcher. The first one had Kurt Angle's referee, which I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, it then was used Champion to... Thatcher. Uh, yeah, although ironically, the second one isn't actually noted on this page. But anyway. Oh, okay. But, um, but yeah, so the other thing as well, I thought this visually looked utter garbage. The way that the it was constructed, it meant there was a giant shadow in the ring, in the center. And it was quite, I don't know why it was so off-putting to me, but I thought just visually, this didn't work in the context of this show. It just came across as very garish. If you were in the arena, God knows what your view would have been like. Because I imagine it was horrible if you were up in the, up in the upper deck area. Mm. But I think visually, this doesn't work. There's a way to refine it to where it can do. Like, for example, if it looked like the old Lion's Den thing back in the days of Ken Shamrock from like Attitude Era, that had a bit more of a wider frame to it. And mm. I think that maybe lent itself better, particularly from a lighting perspective. And I appreciate the production element isn't something that really is anything major to you know go all balls out about. But to me, I just thought visually this was the one of the weakest things WWE have done in ring in a while. And it was mainly because of how much lighting there wasn't in the ring. If you go back and look at it on, on I mean, on the network version I was watching, it just looked like there was a giant big box shadow in the ring, which was where the lighting above could not light the ring. And I was just very surprised that WWE just didn't have any lights directly above to compensate for that. But neither here nor there. Okay. I mean, it's like I, I didn't necessarily have an issue with how it was being presented. I mean, again, it's like the way the way I look at it is like, if they're able to do it on the main roster once and they can identify how to make it better moving forward, then fair enough. I mean, there are there are certain matches that they've put on TV, which are really pointless to film. Punjabi Prison Match, for example. Oh yeah, you that's that, that's like will, the worst you will, offender. You will never get. You will never film that properly. But it's like I think, for all intents and purposes, again, it's like it's an it was an it was an NXT gimmick that's been moved to, it's that's now been moved to, oh Triple roster. H, yes, lots of tri- lots of Triple H gimmicks in this one, including the copyright logo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's like yeah, I think the match was fine. I mean, it's just it was it was a thing, it was a thing. But yeah, so that's just my thoughts. So let's get on to what really was the main event of the entire thing. Mm-hmm. So leading up to this, there have been the whole thing about the White Rabbit promos, which mm-hmm. if there's any, if there is ever anything you can now have a comeback to, to when people on another wrestling show go, oh, who the hell is this? All you've got to do is say, you were happy to Google and look into source code of a website regarding a White Rabbit teaser that WWE put out, yet you can't Google someone's name for 10 seconds to look them up. 
That's what this proved amongst wrestling fans. But mm. what this also did was lead to extreme rules where they, a couple of times during the show, because I've not seen any of the stuff on TV, I've not seen any of the teasers, so I was kind of coming into this blind. There were a couple of moments during the show. There was one during the Imperium entrance when I think it suddenly, it either showed a little bit of a teaser of like a white rabbit digging into an X symbol on the ground. And there was another one later of some like vertical phone footage of someone at like a box office walking up to someone dressed up as a white rabbit. Mm -hmm. It was really random. And it's like, all right, sure, whatever. And I kind of thought, at least it's like a subliminal way of doing it. So here's the thing, about about probably two, three weeks ago, these things, well, first of all, these have this all start like back at house shows, but house shows, lights just went down and they just played Jefferson Airplane's uh, White Rabbit song. And basically, towards the end, red lights start appearing to, to sort of pulse along the song, like The Fiend, like obviously Bray Wyatt The Fiend. And that only happened on house shows. No, it's like there's no mention of our main roster shows at all. It's just like, it's a thing. They thought, oh, maybe people are just prattling around backstage. And then the whole thing with the QR codes begins. And now, and now this started like very kind of just nonchalantly in the background. So like the very first one was like, I think Austin Fury was just getting ready for a match. And you just see one that's like like the size of maybe like a very small pamphlet, just just casually in the background of just, oh, the QR code. All right, I'm fine. Um, I think also that show, there was also a guy who just walked along with just just holding a giant sign with a QR code just going da, 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 along the hard cam, that sort of way. And yeah, you get all these little teas. Like the first one was like this hangman game, this animated hangman game. You didn't play it, but it's just like a little video. It's like, who killed the world? And it's like, the answer is, you did. And that was basically it. And from there, every show, every main roster show had another QR code or just a random thing the kind of thing and the fact that one of the best things about this is like no one references it in the main roster shows at all it's just kind of like it's business as usual i mean the smackdown before um smackdown before extreme rules triple h has a little chat in the ring saying welcome to the season premiere of raw just casually turns his microphone around there's a qr code on the back of it (laughs) (laughs) god's sake and it's like a lot of this just all works, just like it, it's all the little Easter eggs that build into Wyatt's career when he was like Hus, was like uh, Hus, Husky Harris from NXT. They reference Husky Harris. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And then you go obviously to the, the Firefly days of good old classic Bray Wyatt, all through to things like even things like he wore in Firefly Funhouse things. Like you see codes and stuff. And you go, oh, that links to the dates. Or it's like their phrases linked to certain tweets that he made months ago and stuff like that and it's just like it's kind of like for the Bray Wyatt fan if you just really invested in him as like a creative mind you just gotta go oh you pick up all these little things and I think that's the really cool thing about about the whole thing up to this was that the more the more we went on people knew clearly knew it's Bray Wyatt because it's like there's no way it can be anyone else there was definitely no way it could be anyone else there was the early rumblings of oh it's carrying cross it's like why would he be carrying cross when he's just returned with his current gimmick, it's like either something's going a hidden to, higher power. Either something's really something stupid to change his gimmick halfway through to his Lucha Underground gimmick, which they probably didn't have the rights for anyway. So I was anyway, I'm, dig- I'm digressing. It's just like I think I think for like building a return, it's been fairly 
decent. It, no, no, it's been kind of it's it's been new, it's been different, and it's actually been quite exciting and quite fun. And it's kind of like it's not all about having little vignettes and stuff like that. It's just like just these little little things as TikToks and stuff like that, just to get people talking. And it builds to this. And the payoff is brilliant. And what this was that you just alluded to was Daniel Cormier raises the hand of Matt Riddle by the entrance to the entire arena, as it were. Or mm-hmm. The entrance to the, the WWE entrance, if you will. Then the lights go out. And this is after we've had the official sign off. And you sort of mm-hmm. hear the, the commentators going, Oh, hey, uh, are we still on the air? What's going on? And then you just see all the lights beginning, like people's phone lights starting to appear in the arena. Then you start hearing just the phrase over the PA of someone singing, he's got the whole world in his hands, but very slowly. And then it starts zooming into certain parts of the arena with Mm. people dressed as caricatures, which when you think back to it, because they kind of showed them off a bit later in the in in the sequence of events. Ultimately, they are all... I'm not... Super deforms are one way to put it, because that's chibi style if you're from the new anime. Very super exaggerated. That's the phrase. Manifestations. Version, sorry? Manifestations. There you go. That's a good word to use. Very, very much super manifestations of the characters from the Firefly Funhouse, of various characters pertaining to Bray Wyatt's legacy in one way, shape, or form. This then builds to a few kind of like random videos that start playing, which includes almost like an abandoned or decrepit version of the Firefly Funhouse. Mm-hmm. And then like some kind of severed head appearing on the commentary table, which spooks Michael Cole and Corey Graves for two I seconds. Think that, I think that's the flamed, grilled fiend. Oh, okay. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the fiend that no one particularly liked. The one that was oh, okay. burned alive. There we go. That's, that's how we acknowledge that. Just a head. On a table. And let's pretend this feud never happened with any autumn and we'll carry on. <laughs> and then there's just like a doorway sort of set up in front of the entrance, which in and of itself is amusing. And there's still some more videos playing and there's some like teaser lines being shown on the screen and whatnot, which ultimately leads to the door being kicked down. There's some bright light in the background, so you can't see what's walking there. And then a figure starts walking towards you, holding a lamp, wearing an unfamiliar mask. And then he takes the mask off. It is the face of Bray Wyatt. The crowd goes batshit, quite frankly, which is a wonderful moment. You could tell he was really trying to hold back the smile as well. Yeah. Really having to work (laughs) that. And then he blows the light out and the show goes off the air. That's all you get. But Bray Wyatt assuming that's still what he is called, is back in WWE. It's the gold fashion. We're here. Derp. <laughs> I've missed a good derp noise. <laughs> derp. But no, I, I, from a concept point of view, again, watching this only based on what I saw at Extreme Rules, mm. I thought it was a great reveal to do. In the context of when it happened, it really feels like this was the DVD extra. <laughs> because it's like the, the the show's over, the match is done. Like in the grand scheme of things, Riddle's just forgotten about. Like he gets his big win over Seth in the fight pit match, has his hand raised by a UFC legend, and he's just gone. He just disappears into the ether. Where did he go? Did he become the door? 
you know. <laughs> I am the door. No. <laughs> it's not as good as I am the table. Anyway. But, but um, yeah, in terms of a production and a concept and, and building up something, regardless what people think of WWE when it comes to some of this stuff, they're damn good at doing this kind of stuff. You can't deny it. When when they put the effort into it and when they have the the creative will behind it. I mean, it's like the um the person they've just recently hired to become director of long-term creative. Um, have you heard the story about uh, Rob Fay? I've not, no. So basically, before Bray Wyatt was released, he actually pitched to WWE uh, a movie based on The Fiend. And it impressed Nick Khan. And apparently, up until Wyatt got released, this film was going to go ahead. Um, but then they keep an eye on him. They bring him back in to sort of work with Bray again. Um, but also, this is a guy who's worked on like Disney, Disney shows, written for Marvel, stuff like that so it's like okay you've got someone who understands a wealth of different entertainment sort of uh, uh productions and stuff like that and they've talked about being the next marvel or before and nick khan definitely spoke about being like the next marvel or something like that so it's kind of like okay this seems like a good fit and the fact is if this is all being kind of like st- the start of this long-term creative director's sort of way of bringing people in it's really good i think it's 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 the thing. It's kind of like, it's it's the nice sort of thing of seeing things just kind of click, which never really, which never really seemed well. It didn't seem like it happened in Vince stuff. Everything was the same. Whereas there's a there's a bit more distinction about big moments, big returns, storylines, stuff like that. Again, it's just like my my current my current mindset is it's fun watching WWE. It might not always be great or amazing. Um, it's like I said, some of these matches on Extreme Rules were not that great. But overall, I still had a decent time with it. But I probably remember it more for Wyatt. That's the key thing. Above all else, like if you had to point to a couple of things that you would go out of your way to see on the show, the opening the opening trios match with uh, mm-hmm. with the, the, the Donny Brook, if you will. The last 10 minutes of the Edge match. I would probably add the ladder match more just from a, it's an interesting spectacle point of view to see what they did and kind of how safe it was and such. And then like, I would skip the main event personally, but then jump to the Bray Wyatt return. That's sort of what, that, they, they would be my picks of the show if you were going to only watch a few things. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, a random additional note before we wrap up. In the ladder match, I meant to mention this earlier. Mm-hmm. What was the thing with Bailey's knee brace and a bit of it coming loose? Was she meant to like use that as a weapon, or did Possibly. that just come loose? Because that felt like a very poignant moment. And I'm thinking, the last thing you want to do is disconnect your freaking knee brace after you've just come back from injury. I I'm not sure. Either that was something that was getting in the way of something. I don't mm. know. Didn't really to me. Didn't actually factor into something. Well, it just it was just a very poignant moment that had a bit of emphasis on it and was just not there again. But mm. what you gotta do. So that was WWE Extreme Rules, everybody. In terms of what is up next in WWE land, Monday Night Raw is going to feature, well, it's the quote-unquote season premiere when we're recording this and it is tomorrow night but at the With time we are brand recording new this. new commentary teams. Yep, there's new commentary teams debuting. DX minus Daddy Ass are going to have a reunion. Expect hijacking of that by fans. 
There's also going to be Johnny Gargano versus Austin Theory. So we're finally getting kind of the blow off to the NXT feud that kind of and never was, but was, but isn't, but, but was. And then we're also getting Seth Rollins challenging Bobby Lashley for the US title. Well, what's left of Rollins anyway, after taking that sent on from freaking Riddle. Mm. Uh, one assumes that Rollins is going to get the belt. Part of me so. has an idea that this is a way to give Raw a a championship or something that perceives to be a top championship. Mm. Because you've got then- the quality of the IC title on SmackDown and Roman doesn't really appear on Raw all that much, albeit on the season premiere show tomorrow night. Mm. But I think this is a way you could very much elevate the US title and have it feel like a big time thing. If they really mm. wanted to, it's like when originally there was going to be, oh, this is circa 2003, I want to say. Well, no, it would have been 2002 because it would have been following Survivor Series. But anyway, there was the whole like undisputed championship thing. And they sort of wanted to like have a, have a SmackDown have a title and then have Raw have a title. And I want to say it was Brock Lesnar like then decided to kind of just go with SmackDown and storyline. So they made a title mm. for Raw. And originally, apparently the idea was just to elevate the IC title. But then the urban legend was, nah, Triple H wants a real belt. So mm. they gave him effectively the WCW title, but called it the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah. And so that's uh... how that got introduced. So, But the idea was to try and really elevate one of the secondary level title belts to being a main event player belt, as it were. So they could try and do that with this. I mean, why weren't they doing it? They were kind of doing it already with Bobby, to be honest. It's just, I think, I, I don't know what's kind of... I, I, I don't know. It's just like... Oh, it, I, I, I should I, clarify, I, I, I just... nothing against Lashley whatsoever. I think he's freaking great. But in terms of level of star power, you could argue that Seth is okay. a heck of a leap above at this point. That's a fair. That's a fair point. Because yeah, it's like for for a while after Triple H took over, they did try and make like the US title seem important. It really was more important. But yeah, it's kind of it's kind of gone in the background a little bit. So I've so yeah, maybe giving it to Seth for a couple of months might refresh a little bit. But yeah, no, I I I, I would not be surprised if he wins the belt on Monday. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else is going on. I don't know. Wrestling. That's what. Wrestling. Wrestling. Exactly. Um, but uh, but before we wrap up, sir, any other additional thoughts, random things you've remembered from Extreme Rules, or just any other random things you want to make mention of before we uh before we conclude this here edition of the program? No, no, I'm I'm all good. It's all In that good. case, then I will ask you the ever-present question of: Should people want to get hold of us? What are the best ways that they can do that? Well, they can throw us a nice written communication to. Bunkermania at bunkerzilla.co.uk. Do get in touch. We'd love to hear your thoughts about WWE returns, how Triple H is doing, all that sort of stuff. And all going well, folks. We'll be back within the next couple of weeks. Hopefully, we'll be doing a live show again. If not, make sure you've got your subscribe buttons hit on the YouTube channel and or your podcast provider of choice so that when a new episode is available, it'll go right to your notifications and or download inbox in your podcast app. That was a weird way of phrasing that, but it worked in my head before I said it. Basically, hit the subscribe buttons, hit the like buttons, and you'll be able to be told when we go live or have new episodes in whatever feed that you're enjoying the show, whether it be audio or visual. There we go. Indeed. 
There you Maybe, go. But, sure. but hey, AEW this week is in Toronto, so it'll be cool to see how that's going to be, especially how Dynamite's really kind of picked up some steam over the past few weeks. So no mm-hmm. doubt at some point we'll have some thoughts to convey on that or even at least the fallout of that and such. Mm-hmm. WWE will eventually be going to Crown Jewel, which I have zero interest in watching, quite frankly, but we'll we'll talk about that off air, I guess. But, but I think from a storytelling aspect, it's still going to be kind of important again. When is Crown Jewel? Hang on. Crown it Jewel. It is 5th November, I believe. Uh, oh, it is as well. Blimey. And, and, so another Saturday show. I, I will I, say They've it, been Saturdays. They've been Saturdays now. I am liking the fact they're on Saturdays. I will say Saturday that Saturday shows are good. I like Saturday shows. They're mm. good. When's Survivor Series, in theory? Survivor Series is, I think, just before Thanksgiving? Saturday the 26th of November, apparently. There you go. So they are they literally just moving their shows to Saturdays now? That's been the strategy, I think, for a while. I can't remember the last time they did a Sunday show. No, a I, fair I point. Think... I clearly haven't paid attention. <laughs> I think I think the last time they've done a Sunday show was WrestleMania. Everything else is kind of. And that was kind of two nights. <laughs> I think everything else they've tried to keep to Saturdays now, which has made a lot more sense, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's great if you're in the UK, believe me, yeah. folks, if you want to watch yeah. it live. Well, we'll see how crap we'll see how Crown Jewel in terms of story and matches comes up. I mean, obviously we've got Reigns and Logan Paul, which will probably be a fine match. I forgot but, that was the main event of that show. <laughs> but if if anything other than Reigns winning is the result, I'm going to lose all hope of humanity. I'm going to call it now. They're going to do a, a, what, like, of what's phrased a dusty finish in that Logan Paul will get the win, but then it'll be like, oh no, actually, he had his foot on the rope or something similar. We champ- should be. He's, he's going he's gonna to get a visual pin on Roman. But he will still lose. That's that's the that's the most I expect to happen. I will say, and I promise we'll end in a second as well, because I've said it five times now, but part of me is genuinely very curious to see what the Saudi Arabia crowd reaction is to Logan Paul. Because I have no indication as to how much of a f- a followship, though how much of a of a fan base, that's the word I was thinking of that he has in that area of the world. So I'm actually kind of fascinated by that, just to see uh, how much is this going to draw? I would not be surprised if Reigns is treated as the baby face. Mm. Because obviously Reigns is more well-known in, in terms of WWE side of things. Maybe Logan Paul has a, a follow in Saudi Arabia. It's, it's not hard to, to imagine. Mm. But, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like, I like the idea of the match, but it's like... The only way this match works is Reigns walking away with the belts. Mm. It's like it's like last time he needs to lose the belts too. Now is no no he needs to keep the belts from Logan. He's got so, to keep those belts warm for Cody now or Sammy. So yeah, currently Maybe that Sammy. is the only match announced for the card. I wasn't sure if there was anything else, but that is there'll currently probably, the- there'll probably be more stuff. There will yeah. be more stuff. Well, hope so. We don't want just like a three-hour match between those two. It could go on <laughs> for three hours, Jeremy. I mean, look, Roman's entrance could be three hours at that point to make him walk from one end of the country to the other and arrive in the arena. <laughs> Unless he's got a really super fast jet. Maybe he can have like one of the old WrestleMania entrance like ring things. Do you remember that from like, the really old WrestleManias when they oh, made they the wrestling? Oh, just sits in there, just drive them down. Yeah. Oh, what was it? Oh, I can't remember which Royal Rumble. I think it was Rumble 2016. It was around where, that time, I think. Where they had the very long ramp. 
<laughs> the extremely no, it might be 2017. It might have been 2017 because that, I think that was a Braun Strowman one. Um, where they had the stupidly long ramp down to the ring. And it's like you have these weird camera angles at slight angles of people running down. And you kind of you could probably slow them down to the Baywatch theme of I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there. But what you don't see is the moment they've done that, they jump onto the back of a golf cart that takes them to the rest of the ring. <laughs> and then they get out and fight. And some people just wouldn't like, imagine if the ultimate warrior had to run down that entrance. <laughs> it probably He'd probably just probably end up running to the back of the golf cart. The golf cart would be going, what's going on? I have no idea. He's just hanging off the back going, yeah! <laughs> the ultimate warrior spirit's going forever! <laughs> My cardiovascular ability! <laughs> it will live on! There you go. Well, folks, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed our chatter. Do let us know if you've got any comments in, to re- in relation to what we have said. You can also find us on social media as well. The Bunkerzilla UK Twitter account is quite simply at Bunkerzilla UK. Of course. The bottom right corner. I was going to say, I was wondering why you were pointing suddenly, like on the video version. It's like, what, what have I missed? It's like, oh, yes, right there on screen, as it there, says. There. Right there. <laughs> there. There. Not there, but there. Too much visual, too much visual humor. I was going to say, this is great for an audio podcast listener, isn't it? I've got to try and think of another random anecdote to finish on now. Um, I went to one of the New Japan shows the other day. It was really good fun. Oh, you went to Royal Quest? Uh, I went Crest. to night two of Royal Quest. A lot of people went to night two. Some of the WrestleTalk guys went to night two. Well, I, I mean, like- I, so I, I think the majority of them were there because I think I saw them. I didn't get a chance to say hi, but one of the only reasons I went to night two was one, night one was sold out, um, but yeah. also because I literally couldn't be there because I had a previous engagement. But oh, I, okay. that I, that I, I was sort of... Co- I was made to be committed to mm. as it were. So it's like, okay, well, if I can do anything, I just kind of decided at the last minute, you know what? Night two. Why not? I'm up for it. And it was a good mm. show. Fun stuff. The arena was weird though. Crystal Palace. We might talk about it another time, but really fun experience. Really, really good fun. Good. Cool. And some, some good hard hitting action. And FTR, seeing FTR live was a great highlight. That's great. That was the main reason. Folks, thank you very much for listening. Until next time, from myself, Jeremy Graves, from him, the decade, Mr. Ian Bolton, we've been Bunker Mania, signing out. Until next time. Enjoy the show. Discover more Bunkazilla originals at bunkazilla.co.uk. Ooh.